Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Couple quick announcements before we dive in. First off, I had the career talk with Mitra last week, and actually some of you guys were in attendance, so it was really nice to see that in the chat. That really made me feel more comfortable going into this somewhat intimidating online event. So thanks to those who came out. And if you weren't able to make it, the entire talk was recorded and it's now on YouTube. So I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about my my day job and my life in the public service. Next thing is today's Earth Day. That's not relevant. I just really love nature and, you know, Earth and whatnot. So I figured I'd shout it out. Happy Earth Day! (laughs) And finally, I wanted to talk a bit about today's guest, Catherine from Bad Days Abroad. As you'll hear me share in the episode, I really love the name of her blog and also the tone and spirit of it. As I think you've gathered through this podcast, I'm really keen on talking about the more difficult things with life abroad. So I immediately connected with Catherine over our mutual love of the slightly grim aspects of life abroad. And I actually was featured on her blog as part of her Stay or Go series. I was her sixth interview and honestly, it was one of my favorite interviews I've I've ever done. It was written, not verbal. And I've also linked to that in the show notes. So if you want to read that before you dive into this week's episode or afterwards, I think they they complement each other really well. We touch on some of the same themes like getting into my personal story, reflecting if I should stay or go, and my background on this concept of the inner voice and, and how to listen to it, how to find it. A lot of really good stuff. And it was an absolute delight to have Catherine on this show, this episode, and get to dive into these topics even more. I really hope you enjoy. My name is Catherine, and I currently live in Estonia, which is also my passport country. Um, And I can't say where I'm from because I was born in Russia and I grew up in Estonia, Finland and and Switzerland. And my family is all over the place too. So I'm a little bit from everywhere. I also spent 15 years just traveling, living as a serial expat. And then at some point last year, I decided it's time to move to Estonia and see what life here would be like for an adult Catherine. So I'm setting myself up for a joke here, I'll be honest. <laughs> how how was your day today? In what sense? Would you say it was a bad day abroad? <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible. I'm nice. so sorry. I will <laughs> not pursue a career in stand-up. <laughs> I honestly have to say I didn't see it coming, which is, it says a lot about me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did want to throw the name of your, your website and your blog out there right away. So you do have a website, a blog called Bad Days Abroad. And the reason I want to put that on the table right at the get-go is because that is what we are here to talk about. And I am so excited, not just not the blog itself, though that too, but just this concept of bad days abroad. Mm-hmm. I I love it. I don't know if I've told you, but one of my favorite podcasts is called Terrible Things for Asking, <laughs> which is, you know, a rhetorical answer to the question, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love the 
in your face honesty of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think the thing that initially appealed to me about your blog and you is this name, Bad Days Abroad. So I guess I do want to start there. I want to hear what brought you to this moment of taking that name and mm-hmm. sort of persona that comes with it. It's a few years ago now, too, I think. But I do remember doing some sort of like market research, if you will. Uh, it's part of my day job, so it comes quite naturally to me. And what I felt was that there's a whole lot of blogs, travel blogs out there, or travel Instagram accounts and travel websites that all, you know, depict this wonderful world of traveling. And it is wonderful. And then there's this um, group of people that are expats, and they also tend to focus more on the good side of things, but not necessarily someone more honest than not. And then I thought, well, okay, um, I have a whole lot of experience when it comes to traveling and living abroad. And there are things I want to say, but all the things I want to say are, you know, kind of they don't fit the mold of any of these groups. They're just, as you also put it, kind of brutally honest. And um, as a person, I'm also, I tend to not have a filter, not in the sense that I insult (laughs) anyone, but I like to call a spade a spade. Like, let's just not beat around the bush. So then I thought, well, my name can't be anything fluffy either. How can I call what I'm what what I want to talk about? And bad days abroad was literally what I wanted to talk about. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's really perfect too because there's also this category of the grumpy expats. These oh, are yeah. people who typically have been there for a long time and they're just unimpressed by anyone's problems <laughs> and yeah. they're unimpressed by everything and they're just really negative and uh, yeah they would just pounce at anything and just bring this negative energy and sometimes it was really merited but not always and what I like about it too is that it's bad days abroad it's not saying life's always terrible abroad or something like that it's just like hey there are bad days and we're gonna talk about it yeah I like this balance it strikes That's true. I hadn't quite consciously thought about that aspect. I am aware of grumpy expats and I'm part of it as well. What I love about grumpy expat is that they kind of try to, they've got, they call it the respect the grump. So, you know, whatever someone throws out of it, it's a space where they're allowed to say it, which they may not be able to say to their spouse or colleagues or whoever it is. So I love that concept, but I see what you mean that when I say bad days abroad, it doesn't say that everything about living abroad is bad it's just that sometimes it's just really bad wait is there actually a group called grumpy expats yeah there is ah i just was referring to the theoretical category of i didn't realize it's like a formalized thing okay so i can't say i'm commenting on that group because i don't (laughs) think i was in that one i would just notice it in like I think there was like an Americans in Germany group that was countrywide Uh and there were certain names that were always grumpy, (laughs) but I didn't know there was a special place for the grumpy people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grumpy expats, it's grumpy travelers, grumpy spouses, I think. Yeah, it's a whole thing. (laughs) You should look it up. (laughs) I'm going to have to, after this, I, I quit. Facebook a couple of years ago. So I'm, I'm out of touch with all of that now, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so another thing with your blog that I also want to get on the table as we jump into the conversation is the series that you're doing on it called, should I stay or should I go? You want to tell us a bit about that? This one was really spontaneous for me, um, as was the expats in lockdown, a series that I did last year, but this one was definitely personal because um, I started picking up like these little hints that I haven't been the only one that has been like back and forth in my head about whether I should stay 
or go or move somewhere new. I would say the last few years of me living in Denmark were really just me doing that in my head all the time and it's exhausting. And so when I started picking up that others were doing that as well, but not talking about it, I thought, well, why don't we talk about it then? Uh, because it can really affect your mental health, your ability to just find the joy in everyday life and just having meaning in, in why you're living abroad or why you even chose this particular lifestyle. And then the response I got to that, just throwing out that idea, let's have this series and if you want to share your story with me, it was insane. I didn't expect it at all. It was just a spontaneous thing that came from a personal need to explore this topic. And it ended up resonating with a whole lot of people. I think what we should do is we can both sort of share our should I stay or should I go moments. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have these as like available examples to point to as we get into this lar larger conversation about how do you make those decisions? Like, what does mm -hmm. that look like? What does it feel like? So yeah, I kind of want to ask you first, you lived abroad for 15 years. So what were you must have had other should I stay or should I go moments? And it sounds like those had different conclusions. So what felt different in Denmark? And what sort of were the clues that maybe you were going to have a different answer this time? Hmm. I haven't actually ever thought about it that way because so when I start from the beginning, Switzerland was my first like self-initiated expat experience and I did not want to leave. I did not want to leave, but I had to. So there was never a question about that. Then I went to Australia. Uh, I didn't enjoy it too much. So there I didn't have that question either. I, it was pretty clear to me this does not work for me. Um, went to New Zealand after that. I think that's when I started thinking, oh, there's something interesting here. Should I stay here? But then that was the first country where I realized I'm actually a family person and I don't want to live halfway across the world. This is not going to work for me long term. So it was the first time when I self-reflected on who am I and what kind of life do I want to live? And that meant I need to move back to Europe and I enjoy the culture there and the history that you see everywhere, which is not something you see a whole lot of in Australia and New Zealand. They're very new countries in that sense. Then, yeah, then I moved to Denmark. And actually, when I moved there, I had the intention that I would simply live there the rest of my life. Like I was committed, like I was committed to make it work. Uh, but that was, yeah, Denmark was a rough ride. And I, somehow I managed to make it to 10 years, but it was a wow. rough ride and it was on and off. So I also lived in London for a little while and um, in Portugal, Lisbon in particular, for a little while too. But it was clear that Denmark sort of aligned with my values more, but there was there was some parts of Denmark that just didn't sit with me. They just made me so unhappy. And I can say that now because I'm not there anymore. So I can see how some of my needs were not being met at all, whereas some other needs were. So I would say that my only experience with should I stay or go was in Denmark, but it was just it just went on and on and on because I couldn't reconcile those different needs within me. And I think that's something that many people experience as well. Either they're not aware of the needs they have and they're just like have this, you know, dissatisfaction within them, or they are aware and they realize that those are conflicting needs and they don't know how to prioritize them. Well, and it's so interesting because you mentioned how it's it aligns with your values so strongly. Mm -hmm. And I can see there being a conflict there if you're in this place where you're like, it's checking all the boxes. Mm -hmm. Why am I not feeling like I'm 
satisfied like I'm full yeah um, what's still missing because on paper it's all there yeah yeah that was exactly it in in that sense towards the end I was able to articulate the conflict for me and that was I would say I described it as I feel like I have the house the dog the husband the job and I should be happy right I have it all and I'm not happy why I guess I just realized that I'm the kind of person that wants more meaning from my life than just have ticking all the boxes. That maybe this sort of life that we are supposed to aspire to, and it looks a little bit different for every culture or country, what that white picket fence is. But the thing that I was sort of raised to want, I didn't really want that. I mean, there's so much in in life where we just do it because we don't even think it's just reflex because Mm -hmm. everywhere in our culture and what we've grown up being told that this is what you do, this is what you want. And it can often take something really earth shattering to get yourself out of it. I mean, I've had moments like that too, where I, I, out of college, I, I fell into this job that kept promoting me, kept giving me raises. And so I kept working there it was a really terrible environment and it wasn't like they fired everyone. And so at some Mm. point I got fired too. And that was earth shattering at first until I got some distance and looked at it and I was like, actually, I'm not that upset. I feel like I should be upset. (laughs) It's it's earth shattering in terms of my finances because I was going to grad school in America and I Mm -hmm. needed money and that was my money. And so I was like, what am I supposed to do? But I realized I was like, oh, I emotionally I'm my my ego is a bit bruised, but I'm kind of fine. And why is that? And that's when I started to realize that job was just because that's what you were supposed to do out of college. And yeah. I was doing these things that were rewarded by society. You know, I was a raise is seen as a good thing. They don't care about the emotional abuse of nature of the really messed up CEOs of the company who like preyed on young women. Like that's not interesting to them, whoever they are, they just care that you're you're meeting these benchmarks. So mm-hmm. anyway, like it, it took getting out of that to like kind of start unpacking all of that. And it sounds like maybe that was a similar thing for you, broad strokes. Obviously, a lot of the, the details were really different. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is basically describing the same thing just within a in a different context, but the same sort of realization can hit you on, on different fronts. And you said you started having this really throughout the whole 10 years, but when would you say it started getting concrete that you were like, oh no, something's off and I am going to make a change and I am actually not going to choose a different new country, but rather the passport country? You know, if I'm really honest, <laughs> which I usually am, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's it's difficult to be really, really honest as well. Um, I think I knew that this really wasn't the place from the first year. The reason why I stayed was because I absolutely loved their education system. Like it just fit me like a glove. And I knew I wasn't going to find that anywhere else. It was one of the big reasons why I moved there to study at the university. And that was the thing that kept me there all nine years because I got all of the degrees that you can possibly get. I'm such a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that kept me there and it kept me going. But everything around it, the social life and social culture, and I would say sometimes the lack of culture, um, I didn't like Danish at all, like the language. Um, I had a really hard time connecting with the locals. And the way, you know, Denmark is an old country in that sense. They've had a lot of time to kind of settle into their ways. Whereas I most of the time grew up in Estonia or then, you know, we traveled. So I was used to this sort of very flexible environment where if you had an idea or you wanted to get something done, you just did it. 
Whereas in Denmark, it was just so hard to do anything. And especially if you're a foreigner, just forget about it. So I felt kind of hemmed in from all corners all the time, except for within the context of university. What was the point where I realized I can actually make a different choice now was when I got my doctor's degree and I realized, I think this chapter is ending or it's it's over now. There's really no reason for me to stay because this was the main reason why I stayed and why I kept choosing Denmark uh, over everything else. What also coincided with that was that about 70% of my friends decided to all leave in the same month. <laughs> oh, no, ouch. So it was brutal. There was a six-month period where I was burned out from writing my thesis. My friends left at the same time. And I just, you know, I realized, what the hell am I doing here? Why? <sighs> and then on top of that, what happened was coronavirus, where you're sitting in your beautiful apartment with a beautiful view and asking yourself, why am I doing this? Couldn't I just sit in a beautiful apartment in a country where I feel like I could breathe? But to be entirely fair, it's not like I knew where I could breathe. But I had this small voice that had been nagging me for six months at least. I don't know, maybe even longer, probably longer if I'm really honest again, which had been telling me like, hey, Estonia, Estonia, dripping on me (laughs) all the time. And so when I when I was faced with this enormous opportunity to suddenly just go, I did. I was like, you know what? The least I can do is just try it out. Three months doesn't work out. I can always come back. Nothing will happen. But what ended up happening was that everything worked out super well. Like all the signs, all the puzzle pieces were falling into place, which for me meant I really should be here. So here I am still a year later, and I'm so grateful I made that crazy choice. And when you say just try it out for three months, see if it works, did you create that structure or was there like a job or some kind of outside factor giving that structure to the the event? No, it was me. I was panicking. When I I remember the day when I was supposed to hop on a train to go to the airport, I was panicking. I was still asking myself, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this? I haven't even thought thought it through. There's nothing waiting for me there. Can I even speak Estonian at this point? Like, will I even find a job? Like, I had all these questions. I hadn't planned it out. Like, I wasn't coming back to anything. The a way for me to kind of manage that panic was to simply say, nothing is permanent. And this decision doesn't need to be permanent either. So I just came up with this abstract three-month period, which I've, you know, in, in general, I've seen that within three months, you do get a good sense of how do you feel about things or or an environment or a group of people. So I just decided this is the amount of time I need to figure out if this feels right. I think that's a really good idea. And I actually ended up doing something like that too. When I first moved to Germany, I had a year-long contract. Actually, at the time, I felt like that was kind of a bad aspect of the structure of my move because I thought I, I was just finishing grad school and I had permanent, really good job opportunities in where I was living in Chicago. So to be leaving it for a really terrible job opportunity that was only a year long felt so insecure in a time when my finances did not allow me to be risk taking. Mm-hmm. So I sort of had to sell it to myself as exactly what you're saying with this three months, like a it's a trial period. And it's actually a positive because if this is a huge commitment and I end up hating it, I have an out. 
you know, mm-hmm. it's it's built into the plan. So it ended up being something that I really appreciated having, but I I wasn't so sort of smart about it as you are to do it intentionally and then also know that it's a good thing. I, I had to convince myself of that in a way. Yeah. It's not something that I would ever say to anyone here. This is something that you should do because it's a luxury that you can simply go somewhere for three months and then come back. But I saw this opportunity. I was like, I need to take this. This is also what I did with Portugal and, and London as well. I had these weird gaps in my work like I knew I was going to start in September but I had like a whole summer free so I was like hey I'm gonna try out a different country hey no one's holding me back (laughs) so I did the same with yeah with Portugal and and the UK and there you know I love I love Portugal I absolutely love it but I could see that this isn't professionally going to work for me so this will just have to be a place that I go to for holidays just enjoy myself. And I did not like, um, I love London as a city, but I don't want to live there either. So, you know, at the end of those three months, I could see that this isn't, this was fun, but this isn't going to work in the long term. But I didn't have that uh, decision or I didn't need to make that sort of decision with Estonia. It worked out really well. Yeah, I do think that there's some truth to when it's right, it's right. It's not always true, of course. You know, there's a lot of things that end up being worth it, but you really, really have to fight to get there. And I do think moving abroad can be that for a lot of people. But at the same time, if you're on the right path, some stuff's going to feel like it's falling into place, either because you believe the universe or God is doing that or because you just your mindset is positive And that's the sign that you need that you've made a good decision. When something's the right choice, you do get signs. You know, you're, you're going downstream instead of upstream. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a very interesting conversation. At what point do we know that it's it's right? And where does it come from? Like, I'm, I'm thinking of like celebrities who have toiled for years to become famous, right? And they just keep on going. Like, does the fact that they're like kind of swimming upstream, does that mean that they should stop? Does it mean it's not the right path, right? So I always wonder about that because a lot of people don't have a good time living abroad, especially the first few years that they may have a really rough start. But does that necessarily mean that they should stop? Well, not necessarily. It really, really depends. I also did an episode more directly diving into that. So I interviewed um, someone I met here in Freiburg named Brandy, and the episode was called When Expat Life Doesn't Work Out. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about that because she really wanted to move abroad and she wanted to move to Germany and she sort of did all the things you were supposed to do, but still things kept not working out. And Mm -hmm. she had exactly this crisis that we're talking about of, is it an uphill battle that I should fight because it's worth it? And I'm going to round the corner and think it was all worth it. I'm at this moment. I made it work. Mm -hmm. Or is it not going to work? And I'm fighting a battle that's going to be lost. And she ended up having to make a decision or chose to make the decision and ended up moving back moving back not that necessarily everything was perfect she had the feeling that she was internally like more at peace and it felt like the right decision to be there and I think at the end of the day that's really what it comes back to like you get this feeling of it doesn't necessarily make sense but I feel good about this choice or there's there's still something nagging at you and if that nagging doesn't really ever go away then I think that's a good sign that something's up yeah here we're back to uh, the story that you shared on, on the series, Should You Stay or Go? It's quite important that you listen to your inner voice. And when you get to that point where you feel a sense of peace, even if your rational thinking is saying this shouldn't make sense, 
that feeling of peace should be more important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think even my choice to move abroad, like as I said, I, I had these other great opportunities and something was telling me to take this terrible offer. <laughs> um, and it didn't make sense, but I, it felt right. Then I got here and I think it was about six months into living here, halfway through my contract. So the reality of having to find my own place in this world, in this country, in the city was starting to near. And there was a conflict in my relationship that for the first time made me really look at like, am I going to continue this relationship? And if not, what am I going to do? And the relationship conflict itself wasn't, it ended up, you know, being a thing that we could work through and it was fine. But what was important for me is that that was a moment where I noticed I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Although that would have opened me up to do anything. To, I, you know, I was like, I don't have to give up on Germany. I could move to any given city in this country and still keep going because a lot of it for me was the investments I'd already made in the place and in the language. And I was I was like, in a weird, petty, petty kind of way, I was like, I did not put all this effort into learning this difficult language and to learning this culture just to give up on it because it didn't work out with this guy. Mm-hmm. And that's very derivative. Like that was by no means the reality of the situation, but this was my grumpy, like I went on a hike and vented with a friend and I was just like sitting on the top of the mountain, like... I'm going to get fluent in German. (laughs) Part of it was like, well, okay, if that's really what this is about, then I could go keep learning German in, I don't know, Hamburg and then have all these other new opportunities. But it really just didn't feel right. It felt like I at least wanted to stay in this area. And the bigger thing was I wanted to stay, period. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, the relationship thing, it was not the end of the world. And we worked it out. We kept going. But over that next six months, I went through a whole lot of turmoil with interviewing for jobs, getting a job, getting my paperwork in order for the job, frantically scrambling to get my German up to a level where I could actually do the job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I had some really, really dark moments there. And I had a lot of moments where I thought it wasn't going to work out. But I kept going and I kept going. And something about the fight, it's hard to say that it felt right because it didn't feel good at all it felt really desperate and I was in a really dark place but but the alternative wasn't even on my mind and I think that's for me what was important about this you know fast forward to a couple years later when the relationship did end and my thought was oh I have to get a new apartment but it wasn't until I'd moved into my studio and filled up my newfound free time with hobbies and all this other stuff where I was like oh I guess I kind of moved (laughs) but that was another moment of kind of a nice clarity where I was like oh well it wasn't even that I was proving anything to anyone it was just this felt right and when corona hit same thing I didn't even think about leaving but to bring it up back to what you said it's like I think I've had a pretty clear inner voice not that I've always wanted to listen to it or liked what it had to say but in this situation and in others I I'm really bad at fooling myself and lying to myself so for me it wasn't such a conflict the answers that my voice gave me was really surprising you know why why was I choosing to stay like it doesn't make logical sense and I'm a very logical person so I I couldn't figure that out but but I knew my answer essentially it was just figuring out how and figuring out why yeah I I completely relate so even when I was uh, when we had our written exchange and I was editing your story I, I really recognized where you wrote about the inner voice part that I can't say that I've always had a very clear one but I've always my my body or my I don't know sensations in my body have always told me when something is not right and I've always listened to that 
um, as I've gotten older, I've, you know, been able to have, I don't know, more deep conversations with my inner voice about why are you saying this to me? This doesn't make sense. And it takes some digging. So I wonder if people expect it to be all happy go lucky and super easy to just tune into your inner voice and then it gives you an answer that makes sense or do people get frightened of the fact that it may give an answer that doesn't make sense or goes against the expectations of i don't know your peers or your parents or your husband or wife or or what you think you should want and that's when people kind of abandon themselves i don't know this is just you know shooting from the hip now yeah, I I, th- I don't think it's just as simple as listen to your inner voice and it will all fall into place. Like, you know, it's it's an important piece of information that you get from there, but putting it into action is a it's a it takes a lot of courage. It's hard, and it may need overhauling a whole lot of things. That's that takes a lot of time, and and maybe you don't have the opportunities to change the things that you should or that you um, inwardly want to. Well, and I think also listening to your inner voice is a bit of a privileged activity you know like I've had moments in my life where I didn't have the time or the money to listen to my inner voice because what would my inner voice say like work less and have more free time because you're burning out but Mm -hmm. my reality didn't allow me to do that and so in those moments sometimes I would just suppress my inner voice I wouldn't ask what it thinks I wouldn't listen to it if it told me anyway because I couldn't do anything with it I I definitely see that in friends and and people in my community sometimes where they're under so much pressure that it's not really realistic to think, let me just figure out what I really want and then I'll pursue it because it's like, well, you can't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's really upsetting to to know you want something, to have real clarity on it and not be able to do anything about it. So I think it's important that you brought that up of not listening to your inner voice or ignoring it, not... It's, it's not because you're, I don't know, like weak or you don't know yourself. Um, sure, sometimes that is the case, but sometimes people just can't afford to do that. It's definitely a, a luxury matter. I found at least it is something that catches up with you. And so if you're denying something, I mean, denial is a really powerful tool. You know, there's a reason people still use denial. Like it mm-hmm. gets you moving forward at times when looking at the reality of a situation would otherwise make you not. So not to knock denial, but it, it's a temporary solution. And at some point, you know, especially coming back to this question of if I come or if I go, in your case, for instance, you're saying in retrospect, there was probably nine years where you you questioned or knew to some extent that this wasn't quite right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a long time, right? And so in retrospect, maybe in 10 years from now, you might be looking back being like, oh, why did I stay there so long when Estonia ended up being so good for me? I wish I'd moved earlier. You know, that would be one way to look back at the situation, but that would be unrealistic because if you had that level of clarity back then, you probably would have done something about it. And I think these things, they they take time and I think it's also important to, to be where you are. So if you're at a time of questioning or if you're at a time of denial, then ride that wave out. Don't overly indulge in it, but Maybe you're in denial because you you have other things that are important to you. Like in your case, you wanted the education. So if you'd said, actually, this place doesn't work for me, you wouldn't have your degrees, you wouldn't have your PhD. And those are wonderful things in your life. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't have any regrets, even with the places uh, where I've lived that obviously were not right for me. The years that I spent there, I don't regret them. Of course, I could sit and say, oh, did I have to? But you can only make the decisions that you make based on the information you have. 
and then you learn from it like as time goes by and then you hopefully you're in a position to make a different choice that's better aligned with you so i would never say that i regret that i chose to move to i don't know australia or new zealand or denmark because i i knew i made them for the right reasons at the time and with the information that i had you know the kind of person that i've become as a result like i'm i'm really happy about that at least you know i like myself and that's the goal i think yeah. <laughs> um of course you know i have my own issues with myself but as, as everyone does but when i look back on the me that i was or the person that i was 15 years ago i would have never become the person i am today without those experiences never in a million years i'm i'm sort of chuckling to myself because i think we could replay this entire episode and replace the word country or move with relationship and it probably would be really similar advice you're so um, yeah absolutely <laughs> because they're all also relationships that people feel they stayed in too long or people always say oh i saw red flags and i just ignored them and <laughs> it's similar with places and i think it's just really not that helpful to view it in that way of like oh, i should have known because you don't know there's also stories where someone lived somewhere a long time and didn't really love it or it wasn't quite working but then something changed. A new friend arrived or a new job happened and then it changed everything. And staying ended up being a good decision, even though for whatever period of time before it, it wasn't. Yeah, I guess thinking about this last bit of our conversation in terms of people listening, if they're having their own questions about do I stay or should I go? I think we've already shared some of our experience and advice, but do you have anything else along those lines of what you would tell either someone else or even yourself from the past or the future? Maybe this might happen again <laughs> in yeah. terms of like, how do you figure this out? How do you get in touch with that inner voice and how do you act on it? I think people have very different ways that they get in touch with themselves, whether they want to call it inner voice or some higher being, whatever it is. I think step one is to figure out how do you best communicate with yourself in a way. That's step one. And I think a lot of the hard work gets also done when you figure out who you are as a person and you know of course that sounds like oh my god i don't know how where to start <laughs> so um i always uh, like to tell people well what are those moments when you feel like the time sort of flies by you kind of lose yourself what are those things or, or people that you're with or activities because um, that's information about what really makes you feel good and when you dig deeper with those things, you realize what are some important values that you have in life that tell you more about what kind of decisions would be the best kinds for you. Similarly, you can also flip it around and to say uh, and ask yourself, what are the, some moments when I'm really irritated or angry and just frustrated and I feel like things are working against me? What are those situations and, and what sort of needs or values are not being met in those moments? Because that's also, again, valuable information about you and what makes you tick. Doing this simple exercise with the those good moments and bad moments can tell you a lot about yourself. And when I've done those exercises, I mean, you change over time. So the answers are not always the same. I've always been surprised. I've always been surprised. And that was one of the reasons why how I ended up in Estonia, because the things I've become or that I started valuing by the time I decided to move were quite different from the ones that, from the things that I valued maybe a few years before. You know, updating your connection with yourself and, and what's important to you in this stage of your life can can really help you realign. I'm, I'm recently going through something where a lot of this advice applies and something that I would add to it is 
Like, don't stop with the obvious answers. Like, if you're having a, a bad day abroad, as it were, um, and you're like, okay, why am I having a bad day? And you're like, okay, this thing happened and this thing happened and this thing happened. Okay, cool, good. But in this situation I'm thinking of, I stopped there until someone asked me a question that went deeper. And then when I started thinking about it beyond just the upfront obvious things, I was like, oh, these are this is some deeper stuff going on. Yeah. And I, in some ways, I wanted to avoid having to go there. Yeah. I wanted it to just be the simple thing. Oh, the lady at the baker was mean. And, and then this happened and that happened. And I wanted it to be simple like that. So I was willing to accept those answers. But I was glad that I was forced to think about it deeper and been like, Oh, wasn't really about the lady at the bakery. It was about <laughs> a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like this idea of taking the time. And and one last thing I would throw in is just the answers that you've had in the past, they don't have to be the answers forever. And I notice sometimes with myself, with friends, we sometimes hold ourselves to decisions we've made in the past. Yeah. You know, like let's say in 15 years from now, you feel like, okay, you could use some space from family. Mm-hmm. But you have this, this value. I'm a, I'm a family person. I thought I knew that about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be really confusing or lead you to make a different decision that actually feels right in the moment so who you've been in the past isn't who you're going to be forever we're always changing and evolving and that's okay and just check in and make sure that those things you assume about yourself are actually still true maybe they are but just just check in (laughs) I really like that yeah check in with the assumptions that you have about yourself with all of these wise words of wisdom that we have now graced everyone with (laughs) Time to get a little sillier. We're going to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is Zach, Zach, Zach. It is a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. So I am someone who eats her feelings. With that in mind, what food do you turn to when you're having a bad day? Uh, milk chocolate with whole hazelnuts. What is a good movie to just have a good long cry to oh i've never really cried that much when it comes to movies but i would say the first one that came to mind is a french movie called the unbreakable and finally we gotta end it on a positive note just kidding we don't but we're going to um what or where is your happy place in a blanket doesn't matter where (laughs) i love that answer so much (laughs) before i let you go we mentioned your your website your blog but where can people find it what's the what's the url and where um where can they find you on social media baddaysabroad.com and i also have an instagram account and that's uh, bad underscore days underscore abroad Thank you so much, first off, for interviewing me for your blog series. It was it was really a great experience for me, and your questions were so good. I, I really felt like I was doing that work that we were just talking about, about reflecting and checking in with yourself through your questions. So it was really a fun experience. And then thanks for coming on the show and letting us continue that conversation here. Thank you so much for being on the series and for this amazing podcast experience as well. It was fun and deep, and that's exactly how I like it. Thanks again to Catherine for coming onto the show and for interviewing me. Links to her blog and the interview with me on her Stay or Go series are in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to my social media and website. So that is theexpatcast.com or at theexpatcast on Instagram and on Twitter. As always, you can leave a rating and a review on my website or on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. And there's a 100% chance that you'll make me smile. I guess even if you give me like a one-star review, maybe I'd find it.
on then. But I'd probably still be really excited that you took the time to let me know. So make me smile, leave a review, leave a rating. Thanks as always goes to Amy Lucky Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, we'll learn more about these initials that keep popping up in the expat world, and those are TCK. Till then, have a great week. Stay healthy and stay safe. Go celebrate Mother Earth on this fine Earth Day. This done. Tschüss.